Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Nerds and the City, a Central Florida podcast talking about nerd cultures, movies, games, comics, movie reviews, and events happening in and around Central Florida. If you ever come to visit us, because we're in the melting pot of COVID, as always. <laughs> wow. As always, this is your host, Tony, with Damn Nick. You're going to be stuck with that for a while. Though. I'm just letting you know right now. I feel like an old 70s or 80s sitcom, like where you're like, you're like basically creating the whole, uh, uh, what you say, Willis, or like on one of those catchphrases. Like, I feel like I'm a catchphrase in an old, you're, you're a in catch, an old 80s right? catchphrase. You're, catch. you're a good catch, bro. Catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> How's everything been? Uh, good. It's uh, super cold. Oh, yeah. So for Florida, that is like super rare. We just hit the the low third, the low forties this week. I think this morning I hit, I, I experienced feel like thirty. Yeah, but, but we're gonna it's only gonna last for like another four days, and that's it. It's so weird. You have, though, to, like, you have to we have to embrace the sweater weather as as much as we can. Florida, I swear, it's like a like the whole state is in an air conditioned house. Yeah, where it's broken, the AC is broken. You don't know when it's working or not. Yeah, like it'll just work for a couple of days, and then that's it. It'll just stop working, and then we're just yeah. experiencing pure heat. Or then it's cool, just yeah, average like... cool. <laughs> but yeah, never ready for the weather. Never, ever ready for this weather. Man, I have sweaters and jackets, and this morning I went to. I was gonna take you my. You put them all on at once. I couldn't take my walk. It was still. I put that. I put that just to go into. The laundry room that doesn't have the, uh, like, it's not part of the actual house. Oh, okay. And, man, that was freaking cold. Even that room was cold. I didn't go outside yet. That room was cold. That My sweater didn't work. <laughs> so, yeah. It's Florida it's weather. Florida weather. That's that's Florida weather for you. <laughs> during, the winter, during the winter seasons, we get, like, three days, four days, throughout, and within, like, four months of just cold. Everything this is so hot. funny because it's like I lived, I've lived in New York. During the winter, oh yeah, I've lived in Park City, Utah. It was a it was a ski mountain. I lived on a ski mountain resort for a year, and for some reason, every time it gets cold here, I still experience it worse than those places. I guess because you might have got used to it after like I, it's just so bizarre. It's like, every day that you're experiencing cold, like in Utah during the winter season. I literally used to walk I around guess, with like a tank top and be and, cool with it. Like yeah, and I guess here is because it's humid and hot. Every day that the the minute it gets freezing, you're like, "Ooh, what the fuck?" I, Hell no! Let me just I go back never, for, I'll never forget when I first moved here from New York, and I I had to take the bus uh, for to school, and it was it was the first time it got cold like that, mm-hmm. and some local kids I saw them like basically burn a trash can. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, they're just being extra." Like, I mean, yeah. but it's I started to feel the same way, but I'm like, "Wow, they're burning trash cans for Florida weather cold." Oh man. <laughs> yeah, that's that is definitely extra. But let's yes. get on to some topics. Talk to me, man. What you got for uh, me? Well, the first one was a big announcement came from Elliot Page. Mm-hmm. Uh, has uh, that plays Vanya mm-hmm. in the Umbrella Academy. Juno. Um, people previously knew her as Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. Uh, she or he has uh, came out as being transgender, mm-hmm. and his, his official name is Elliot page and i think there was a lot of discussions about is they gonna keep him on the rules anya avanya or are they gonna do a gender swap in the middle of the season or at the beginning of the season to to uh keep with uh the the transgender 
uh, uh, identifies himself as, or they're going to keep it as a female character that he is playing. Well, you know, it's funny when you when I first heard the news, all I could because with any other uh, with any other profession, obviously they they would have to go with whatever that person identifies as. But considering you know he is an actor. Really, there should be no boundaries. Like the only reason that uh, you don't normally see a man cast in a woman's role is because it be the difficulty in playing that role. But like, if you were to tell me that you were going to cast, um, uh, let's say, if you were to cast Patrick Swayze in a female in a woman's role, like uh, you know, based on on uh, when he played that role in uh, Two on Fu, uh, I forgot the, the whole name. Yeah. But if you told me he was going to play a woman, like an actual woman, I would be cool with it because he did such a great job in that movie. So, but I, again, it's if you're an actor, actress, or what have you, your job is to be somebody completely different. So, I mean, I can I don't see why they would have to change the gender. Yeah. Um, in in the movie in, in the show, unless there's going to be more of a dramatic change that he will be going through. But we'll see. I mean, again, I really think they could still pull it off the way it is. Yeah. No, um, I don't believe so. And one thing that got me that just that was not funny, but it just caught my attention mm-hmm. was uh, every article online or uh, news article, pretty much, mm-hmm. that came to touch on it. They were like, Elliot Page, uh, Umbrella Academy, and Star from Juno. I'm like... Everything's like they don't acknowledge all like even though it was a breakout movie that yeah. that that he got recognized for, but they were like didn't talk about like Hard Candy, Whip It, like he, he wow, was, Hard he, Candy was a was a good one, man. Yeah. That that felt like that was way more impactful than than Juno. I mean, Juno yeah. was great, but it's like wow, Hard Candy was was epic. Yeah, uh, X Men. Yeah, Days of Future Past. Uh, I think it was in Dark Phoenix. Uh, these are future. Oh, the last stand. Mm-hmm. So I was like, they. I think they they had to give it an extra punch by saying Juno because he played a teenage pregnant woman mm-hmm. or girl. I don't think it was necessarily that. I think it's just the most. Ident- it's almost like Christopher Reeves. If I was to talk to you about Christopher Reeves, I'm not going to bring up. I I I can't really remember all the titles. But I'm not going to bring up any other other filmography that he's, Superman. he's done except True. for Superman. Because if I say Superman, instantly you'll know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. So maybe that's all it is. Is like Because if you say X-Men, there's a thousand people in X-Men as far yeah. as, uh, you know, I, you could have, could have, not to say that they 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 look alike, but maybe people like confused for Anna, Pac- Panqu- Anna Paquin or something yeah, like that. Yeah, associated with somebody else. Yeah. So Juno is, the, is more signature. Yeah. No, I understand. I, I just thought that they they used that as an additional headliner, ca- like headline catch because of the role he played in that movie. Yeah. Compared to what he's identifying now. Yeah. I just thought it was like, oh, okay, I see. And and, and it was like maybe it was one, but every article had the identical headline. So I was like, oh, okay, you guys are not original here. Because it's it's all about catching attention. That clickbait. That clickbait. That's exactly. what they want. Because I mean, unfortunately, when it comes to like online news, it's not a, there's no nuance in it. Movies, you know, literature can be nuanced, but no okay. news articles online. You have to be super, super like, hey, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> and this isn't. This is, and, she, and he has a great filmography. Mm-hmm. So I, I think we did in a group text or something. It's mm-hmm. like, is he gonna start going for male? 
casting male predominantly male uh, it's casting such a, roles he 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 finds himself in a very particular situation yes because the one thing i noticed with hollywood is it's it's not just the fact that that you know uh, he's transgender it's not necessarily no. that the issue that i find with hollywood is like they try to put you in a box and once you're in a box they keep you it's there. so difficult to break out of that box so like you have um actors who are fat um that once you're not fat anymore they don't want to cast you for anything or if you're an actor who normally plays an action star you want to do drama they don't necessarily want to cast you unless yeah, they keep you in that box exactly so, so whenever you try to break out of that box they they have a hard time accepting it. So that'd be the only difficulty yeah. that I think he was going to he's gonna experience is that obviously he's always played a very similar role. Like quite quirky. Quiet, quirky, you know, um, well, female, female character. Female character. But I, I, it's funny because, I, again, it's, I don't know why. I, like, I've never, I mean, aside from Juno, I've never looked at any of his roles in that way like, for some reason, there his like the the at the time that his femininity played such a significant part, I guess. Yeah. Because um, I mean, he played uh, more iconic roles like Kitty Pride. Yeah. Um, but again, that had nothing to do with whether it was a. Well, I guess it did in that sense, but I don't know. I I I've never really saw those movies like oh, you know, their femininity is like important in that one. No, not no, really. Not really. No. But so, that was that was that was a big. Uh, discussion this week with, mm-hmm. with Elliot Page. And- it was a very, it's very big, and the thing is, it's very big not just because that person uh, is transgender or identifies transgender now. It's also because that person holds a very significant role in a very popular TV show, exactly current TV show that's going exactly. on. So it's it's like that that it's almost like you can go through your experience, but now you're you're kind of like messing with something that I want. So like, how's that gonna affect me? And that's what first people think people are looking yeah, at. Like, how's how it gonna affect my show? Yeah, that's literally all the discussion <laughs> I, I was reading on like uh, on on um, Facebook mm-hmm. and Twitter. Was, people just, I guess, the how gonna, yeah, like how they're gonna deal with that transition mm-hmm. into the show. Is it gonna reflect directly, or, or are they gonna keep the role as is? And is he gonna just play the role that he is in that and keep it sef- separate, like keeping his like his life, mm-hmm. personal life separate from his work or are they going to, his work is going to embrace it and apply well, it to him. The person, I mean that he's an actor. Yeah, he is. And honestly, like, you know, I think an actor, if, if any actor can, can change that, that kind of setup a little bit, like where they can play literally, if they get to the point where they can actually play different genders and they do it. Cause it's all about believability. So if you watch the movie or the TV show, whatever you're watching, you believe the character is, of that sex, of that nature, of the whatever culture that, that is. That orientation, yeah. Yeah, then you're going to be like, okay, you they did their job, in a sense. So, hey, yeah. more power too. So, yeah. So, if you haven't heard the show, it's called The Umbrella, Umbrella Academy, and it's on Netflix. It yeah. has two seasons already out. Third yeah. season's coming out next year. So, look out for that. But getting into Netflix now, mm-hmm. which is a great segue to our next topic, is... Got? Uh, Netflix is in the bidding war with HBO Max for Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, lastly, I heard that uh, Netflix has a $200 million bid mm-hmm. into getting the rights of the movie. So, wait, I thought the movie was already in production. So, they're not going it's to already... Be, huh? is that, no, no, all right. So, it's already done? It's, I think it's primarily done, but they're trying to find a distributor, a distribution center that it's outside of theaters. 
So that's what I wonder if that's what they're gonna start doing with movies now because obviously theaters are not the the they're not the way they used to be, and there's a good chance they might not ever be that way. So the for only a while, can, for at least another two years. If that. I've already said that. I already made my so, argument that. So just to get on that, it's if that plus if they're able if they're able to go back, they need to be able to survive the next two years to hopefully come out at the end positive and have people come in. To yeah, the because theaters. now streaming networks are dominating. Of course, they have they they have they, they have all they have the distribution power. And now and now that uh, these these movies that are that are coming through or these movies that should have came through yeah. are allowing themselves to be bought out so they can make whatever they expected to make. Yeah, and allowing them to be distributed through these networks. What's the point? Like, it's I'm telling you, it's gonna just be like that where it's like, well, we can go through it and try to make extra money or. Let's just sell it to networks. So, uh, so here's a, here's the mm. their the little inside scoop with it, or mm-hmm. the little backstory with um, Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah, is that Netflix funded seventy five percent of the film? Oh, but the other twenty five mm-hmm. is funded through Warner Brothers, which has the distribution rights to the movies, distribution release rights to the movies. Warner Brothers is also part of Warner Media, mm-hmm. which owns HBO Max. Okay, so, so so that's why they're in the bidding war because they yeah. both have distributor, like they they both kind of have a, a stake in the. Sh- okay, but here's my thing. Either way, oh wait, yeah, how like, yeah, yeah. do they make any money from the movie? Like, they. I mean, because obviously Netflix doesn't. I mean, how- Netflix will make money because. I think will they though? Will like, they will? Uh, all right, subscriber wise, they will, um, because I think if they get those rights, they'll they will be able to bring Kong, Godzilla, uh, like Godzilla, um, the most recent Godzilla one, the the king of uh, the the king of monsters, the month, right? Mm-hmm. The king of the monsters. I can't remember the title. So I guess they bring they could bring those titles into their streaming service, which will bring people to pay for a subscription to watch it. So maybe we're looking at this incorrectly. So or, when you said bidding war, I thought you meant like they were trying to buy it from somebody else or they're just trying to buy each other out. What That's what I think it is. They're trying to either buy, they're going to try to buy out their rights to, to the other person's it. rights to the, the, the movie. Yeah. So I find that so interesting just because it's like if they're offering 200, you said 200 million. I think so. Let me, so you, if they're offering 200 million, that means that they're evaluating the price of that movie to be way than two hundred million because they only own they don't, like based on what you're saying they only own twenty five percent. So twenty five percent is worth two hundred million. Wow. So the, yeah, they're they're reportedly bid two hundred millions for the rights, which Warner Media is trying to block the deal so they could show up on its own streaming service on HBO Max. So yeah, so so despite that, Netflix did put up twenty five seventy five percent of the funding of the movie with Warner Brother. Uh, having twenty five percent and filming license, which has still has the rights to the movie. It's so, so crazy, yeah. It's just so interesting, also because I mean, we still have. Think about how many movies are still sitting on shelves on shelves right now, like that haven't been distributed. Uh, uh, tenant, well, tenant, whatever that movie was that went to the theater, that still has not been released on VOD yet. Nope, that's crazy to me. Like, and I think the only reason. Is that from what I read a while ago? Is that mm. Christopher Nolan is literally holding on to it 
so he could fully release it on in theatrical release so people could see it. No, he, it's it's already been released in theatrical. No, 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 but it, it got it was released in theatrical release, but it mm-hmm. got pulled because numbers were going up and a lot of theaters were closing down. So he was like, just pull it and let's release it again in theaters when people are going because that's how he wants people to see it. Which holding out on them for too long, at one point, is going to break that they're going to be like, you need to go I streaming. think he needs to accept the, the reality of what's going on in this world right now. Yeah. yeah because, I mean, think about it. I mean, it's, you're just holding on to it for that. And that's fine. But by the time you actually release it, let's say that there is a time frame where people do go back to the theater in that way. One, it is relatively not soon. So by the time that you were to release it, no one would be interested in it. And that's the sad part. That's the sad truth. Like you holding on to it does not increase its value in a sense. It just makes it where other things start taking more priority over it. Yeah, no, of course. And then, and it's, I don't want it to be, even though I, I have a feeling it won't be, but it's going to have like that we mutants feel that, that not because of production issues, mm-hmm. but just because the director and the and distributing company is holding out to make it... Th- people are going to lose interest. Well, I mean, the movie's already kind of been released. I know people have watched it already because it got yeah. released. And the reason but I the- want to watch it is because I like I like complex movies. And apparently this movie is super complex, but I think the complexity of the movie is the reason a lot of people are turned off by it. Because he proposes um, ideas that I think people are have a hard time grasping when it comes to time and stuff like that. So... I want to watch it just because I'm interested in that stuff, but I don't like you. Like we just said, it's it, by the time if you're just holding out to to gain its popularity by the time the way you want it to be, yeah, it, you know, there's gonna be. I mean, people are like, you know, people like the red shiny ball. It's just they're just gonna look for the next one. Oh yeah, definitely. So eh, we'll see with that one, but um, so let's see. I don't know. I, I mean, that's another movie that I didn't even think about. Like as far as being released, I'm like, cause I I almost forgot about the original one, the 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 the, the con movie, and then um, yeah. I just hope it's gonna be good. King of the Monsters. I hope it's gonna be good. I hope so too. Let's but let's see. I know the the other movie didn't get a good um um it didn't get a like a lot of people complained about it, but I really did enjoy it. Um, the one with uh the last one with uh, uh Godzilla. King of the Monsters? I think so. Yeah, that was the last one. It had Ghidorah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I liked it. I liked it a oh, lot. Yeah. I mean, more of the visual aspect of it, but I know a lot of people did not like it at all. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, next to the, on to the next news. What you got? Uh, so it was announced that Toxic Avenger is being <laughs> rebooted. And as of right now, they said that they have Peter Dinklage Starring in the lead role of Toxic. I find that so weird. One, Peter Dinklage, I've never really seen as somebody who does a lot of spoof and like B movie style thing like that. Um I don't know, like one because okay, for those who don't not know, Toxic Avenger was uh, around the same time a lot of movies are coming out where it's very like B movies are super popular. Yeah, but that's what like Torma Torma I think it's called Torma Entertainment. I'm not came sure, out with them. but at the they same had, time they had, uh, Detective Kabuki mm-hmm. that came out with it. And, they were the same company. Well, they oh, remember remember at the same time they had a uh, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yes. Was popular. 
and I'm not kidding. It, it sounds it, it's it's what it sounds like. It was a movie about tomatoes that killed people, and it I mean it, it was popular. Like I think it spawned a couple of sequels, but Toxic Avenger again was a geeky guy who like was being picked on, who got tossed into like some kind of chemicals, like. And it, the movie, the, the movie played out like it was a kind of like joke in a B movie, like a spoof, but it was terrifying. Like I don't know why I remember that like with horror. Yeah. But yeah, he wears a two a, a tutu like a ballerina tutu, um, and he would go with a mop. He would go around like fighting crime. Yeah. In a very gross manner. Yes. Like he would blow people's heads up, whatever. Uh, because again, he was deformed, the- but apparently he had like super strength. Yeah, this was uh the ultimate underrated, underappreciated really, mm. B film superhero movie, yeah. of its time. I just don't see it, how it, that it, movie it created, would ever play well now. It won't. It. it I like, think it hits so many genres right now that people would be super offended by. Yeah, no, it hit like because when it was made in the eighties, they they just did anything for yeah. for a good yeah. humor, and they did the cliche rules for. Uh, African African American characters, Hispanic yeah. characters, teen girls, the jocks, they they just hit on so much stereotypes, and but they they made fun of it, yeah, because of it, and like it didn't take itself seriously. Like there was one, I think it was part three that he goes to Japan and he goes into a sumo sumo uh, fight with somebody else. He literally looks like uh, if you've ever seen Jason Voorhees when they take a mask off, he looks like that. But that's worse. what that's the makeup that he looks like. Yeah. So and then the weird thing is I don't remember, I don't know if you remember he had a girlfriend yeah like she was like a supermodel like they just wore bikinis the entire time and she's blind and she was blind that was like a thing like that was the thing that they were together because she was blind like you know how messed up that is yeah like I don't know why is this like such a weird messed up thing to bring back because this is one thing if I watch it now it's kind of like oh my god remember those times or like make fun of it yeah but to bring it back and then Peter Dinklage out of all people like I find it weird just because. I've never seen him to do like silly roles like that. Like the silliest thing I remember seeing him do was the one he did with uh, uh, Will Ferrell. Oh yeah, that was I think that was the silliest thing I remember seeing. Or, or the Saturday Night Live skits that he's done. Yeah, but for him to do this, I find it weird, and I don't understand the logic. Because again, Toxic Avenger when he after he goes through his transformation, he's like a bodybuilder. Yeah, he's a tall, big, muscular, mutated person. So. I'm trying to understand the logic. Maybe they're trying to be ironic with it, but I, I don't get it. Um, yeah, I think they just be, somebody I think they just think they're gonna play off the movie as what the movie was, like make it as a, as a bigger not joke, but take the humor from what it for what it was mm-hmm. and amplify it and just just I think they're just gonna have fun with it. Then I know they're not gonna take themselves seriously. If they do, I'll be disappointed. I be I'm just so like I'm like you know what I'm saying. I'm just shocked. <laughs> Unless they make him like the character when he played in Thor, not Thor, in uh, Avengers Endgame, where he was like the he was like the oh, giant from, from nowhere. Yeah, yeah, that would be interesting. But no, I don't. I mean, obviously he's gonna he's gonna use his stature. So I don't know. I just I find this so bizarre. I really yeah. do. When I read that, I was like, ooh. And I, and I, it's funny enough because when I when I read that mm-hmm. one I sent it to you immediately the minute yeah, I read yeah. it. Second is that I don't know if it was you I was talking to or somebody else, and we were talking about movies that I would want to bring back as a as a remake or. And I was like, yo, I just want B 
cult classics. And I'm like, Toxic Avenger is the one that I think would hit the best. So, oh, I got one for you. I got one for you. Because I had this thought process when I was driving over here. Yeah. So, I was thinking about how can you do a good continuation sequel or reboot after a certain amount of time? Because there was basically the, what was going on was I was driving over here and I was watching a video um, through Looper. If you ever get a chance, that's a yeah. cool uh, page on, on YouTube. Um, and they were discussing about um, um, Dark Fate, Titan, uh, Tar- Terminator, Terminator Dark, Fate. Dark Fate. And they were saying how it got, it didn't make any money. It was a, a flop. But technically, it wasn't a really bad movie. Um, critically speaking, that people enjoyed it. And I did enjoy it. I, there was one thing I really wasn't happy with. But for the most part, they said the movie was not bad. So one of the actresses in the movie um, did mention the reason that she felt it didn't go well was... People were just tired of the franchise. Yeah. So that that if they would have, all right, for that for Dark Fate, if they would have just called it Dark Fate and not Terminator, but th- this is pe- where I was getting and, to. And people would watch it, they yeah. would appreciate it more. But this is where I'm getting to. I think if you're going to try to bring back a franchise that's more than five years old, like uh, uh, don't ever use the franchise at the name of the franchise. To promote it, yeah. What they need to do is what they did with Split, and what they did with um, Glass. Well, Split. Well, Split. Well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Black, yeah. Glass was was on uh, point. Everybody yeah. by that point knew what it was. But Split did not promote itself as that continuation. That was a surprise in the movie. Same thing with Prometheus. Oh yeah, that's true. So I think if you're gonna do a sequel, make a standalone movie that it, it ultimately you you feel you find out that it's connected. You find to it's a, connected to something to, to that you enjoy another. and like. So you find the love of that previous thing from something new. Yeah, because when when that when that ending scene a split and you oh, see yeah. see uh what's his name Bruce Willis's character, yes. it was like what you flipped out. That went from a yo, I was like, oh! movie to like the most epic movie ever. Yeah, I was screaming, bro, <laughs> screaming. But that's what I'm trying to say is I think that's the only way you should really because if you're going, I, I already feel like the minute you start using the name of a successful or a popular franchise to promote it you kind of get turned off a little bit lately yeah. because you're already just expecting them to turn out something, another movie just to call it, a, just to call it that name. And like, like even Star Wars, Star Wars, I think like basically uh franchise fatigue. Yeah. Where like, even though the, the franchises are popular, you're kind of fatigued of just all this other stuff that you've been disappointed so many times that even if they make it a successful one, you're kind of fatigued from the franchise altogether. Yeah. And that's what they did with like, well, let's talking about Star Wars franchise. Mm-hmm. The best one was Mandalorian. People were so tired of the Skywalker storyline. People were like, give me something different. There's so much universe, so much story, so much different characters you could actually go into and get in depth and get character development and adventure and that cowboy space cowboy western type of feel that doesn't have to revolve around the Skywalkers at all. And they did that with the Mandalorian. Yeah, like literally, you're just finding you're just find following one Mandalorian on his quest on a, on a mission that he has. And what's funny enough is I was talking to somebody. They were like, they like the Mandalorian. They mm-hmm. they're a huge Star Wars fan. They like they like it, but the only issue that they have with it is that every episode feels like they're just on a one shot like adventure. Yeah. and I'm like, that's the point of it. That's the whole point. Like people forget about those old uh, Western TV Westerns. shows. That people used to watch, uh, Kung Fu, um, you know, even the Hulk. Walker Tested Ranger. The Hulk used to be like that way, too. Where there were just these one-off episodes 
uh, maybe with a really small continued storyline that continues on. But for the most part, they're all one-offs. And it's you're enjoying that episode. You're enjo- you know you don't care about the series. You don't care about how many ep- whatever. No, you're just watching to enjoy the episode yeah. you're in. And those those TV shows are always amazing. Yeah. No, of course. Because you like that's all it is. You're just gonna enjoy the episode. So you literally can watch it. And those are TV shows that when you buy the whole series later, you can literally start at any episode, and you're just like, you're in it. Yeah. You don't feel like you have to watch it in a very, in a in a um chronological order. Yeah, and that's the thing with with even um what is it Fast and the Furious went on because it did Fast and the Furious mm-hmm. Too Fast Too Furious and then they came out with Tokyo Drift because mm-hmm. people were like, all right, that story is dead. Let's not push anymore. Let's Let's really focus on cars and techniques and yeah. different call cult car culture in different parts of the world mm-hmm. and expand on that. When they did that, people were like, "Oh, I guess I don't know." If Vin Diesel wasn't happy that he wasn't enough of it because they know he was in the end. But after that, it was all the whole Vin Diesel family going to space <laughs> stuff that they're going into. <laughs> and then again, they tried it again. With Hobbs and Shaw, and they were like, "It's a success." He's like, "You don't need to find, you don't need to have Vin Diesel no, in a Fast and Furious movie." The thing is, is that that's what that's what he I, created a universe, which we that's appreciate. What I'm trying to say is, I think it's when you when a good movie creates a good universe, you make a movie in that universe. You don't necessarily have to heavy handedly play this fan service with the original content, dude. No, you just make it into that universe. Yeah, I mean, a universe where Freddy Krueger exists or that type of mythology can, can can spot a new character. Oh my god, that would be dope if they do this whole horror. Like now that you're talking about that, mm-hmm. it would be dope if they do like a horror movie, uh, universe, universe, like oh, just a horror movie movie, and it's about a person that has like sleep paralysis and they're fighting their sleep the whole time, and at the end of it is because every time he wakes up he sees Freddy, <laughs> or something like that. And I'm like, that would be great because you're not in, like the whole story will be around. His or her sleep paralysis and mm. trying to fight, and then the ghosts or images he sees are getting bit or getting like slashed, and not understanding it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, it's you find out it's actually a whole Freddy movie. And I was like, that would be great, just as with like Terminator and now with with uh, Toxic Avengers. Like you, you created a universe, mm-hmm. but I don't know. But this one is a reboot, so they're re- rehashing the whole thing. But in terms of continuing uh, uh, a franchise, I feel like if they're going to do something new now, one, do not include it into the name because you're people, two things that happens. People have either high expectations to have a high of an expectation because they love the franchise or two, they were like, they're ruining the franchise because it's already good as it is. Mm-hmm. And why are you adding more to it when we don't need to? And, and you're going to get both ends of it. Oh, I got a good, good story idea. Yeah, let's go. Okay, so the story idea is this. So you have a movie where um, this family has a child that is in permanent, like, like a permanent coma, right? Never really able to talk to them, never able to communicate. Basically, constant sleep. So you know they they do they do whatever. They finally move to a new place, and you know a new house or new whatever. And all of a sudden. You know, they start when they go to sleep, they start to see their son, their kid and interact and and talk to them and like, wait, how is this all going on? And that this their kid is able to reach out to them 
only when they're sleeping. So they like they find themselves wanting to sleep more just so they can spend time with their kid. Like astroplaning? Huh? Like astroplaning? Kind of like where they where the, but the kid um starts to change things. Like, you know, the world starts to change, whatever, and maybe he starts to have this control because again, he's never been conscious. He's never been in the real world. Yeah. So they start realizing the kid starts embracing this darkness because he's only stuck in this world. Yeah. And then what they find out later on in the, at the end of the movie is that they moved into Freddy Krueger's house when he was alive, or there was something in there that basically Freddy Krueger's dead, he's gone, but his ability somehow stayed in that house. And because this kid was in a permanent coma, he was able to tap into it. Basically, he became something of the new Freddy. The new Freddy. Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good yo yo. Let's pop some popcorn, have some drinks. And flush his idea out. <laughs> Guys, we're going to do a special episode. We're going to drink and flush out movie ideas from scratch, from beginning to end. So. Look out for it. Hopefully soon. But <laughs> just because of that, that is awesome. But that's what I'm saying is that you you have these universes. Use the universes that you create. Use the popularity of those universes to basically... you Because know, like for, uh, what, what, uh, what Endgame did, what Avengers no, did. Where well, it's like the Invisible you, Man did. They took the concept of the Invincible Man and turned it on sideways to give it the suspense horror feel. No, of course. No, like I, thought, I thought it was great because they, they're more focused on the the relationship aspect rather than the ability that he had. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, um, like, use the established universe as kind of like Avengers Endgame. You know how Avengers Endgame was good because all those other characters in the movie were already established with their own movies. Yeah. So you don't have to go by the backstory. So use the other universes as a way to kind of tell a portion of the story that's already been told yeah. and then start with something else. Something fresh. Yeah. And there's so many universes, so many different things that you can you can jump into and, and establish and break into. I don't know, man. There's so much ability, but we're constantly just trying to rehash and retell a story because of, of nostalgia, man. I mean, like nostalgia is great, but I think it's getting played out. We can still use nostalgia to create something new and different. But yeah. I think we just have to stop with the, the fan service. Yeah, we need to. All right, guys. I guess that's enough topics for today. We'll take a quick break and come back with Damn Nick's Corner Review. Welcome back, everyone, to Damn Nick's Corner Review. Hello, 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 people. <laughs> what do we got today? What movie are we reviewing today? We are, well, since the holidays are here, we're going to review, I would like to start reviewing holiday movies if we can, but uh, what we're going to start off with is, it's called Happiest Season, available on Hulu, uh, so go check it out. It stars uh, Christian Stewart, uh, Mackenzie Davis. And uh, Audrey Plaza, um, Allison Brie, and one of my favorite favorite uh, people right now with, from uh, Schitt's Creek is Daniel Levy. Yeah. So they all star in this movie, and basically the main premise of the movie is a, um, a lesbian couple who go visit, one of them goes visit her family, um, but at the last minute she reveals to her, her girlfriend that she has not came out to her parents. So they have to pretend like if they're not together on this trip. Yeah. Um, I was actually surprised how much I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was going to, because you know what it was? 
I, I one I like all. I mean, I like I said, I I'm, I love uh, um, uh, uh, David Levy. Um, I like all the actors and I, you know, Chris Stewart. I I actually right now Chris Stewart is one of my heroes just because I'm so happy she's able to establish herself a lot more now because she had to get over Twilight Twilight for so long. So people are starting to see like, man, we like her. And you know, like, she's not just. You Twilight, know, Twilight, whatever. Yeah, she did get in uh, Charlie Charlie's Angels. Yeah, I love her in Charlie's Angels, and I like her yeah. in this one. Um, so I thought it was gonna, but I thought it was gonna be very kind of like Hallmark heavy. Uh, and that's, that's what I was that's afraid, what I was afraid of. of. And I was, it felt like that at the beginning of the movie, and uh, I guess say that at the end, but there was a lot of parts in the middle that I was just like, it felt profound. I was like, wow. Yeah, I did not expect this i did not feel like i was gonna take this kind of position in the movie and why you know even ultimately it, it kind of ends the way you maybe expected there's twists in the middle where you're like wow i did not expect that to happen yeah and no, that because of that that really felt heavy that felt that felt more profound for me and i enjoyed it i enjoyed the performance i enjoyed uh yeah the levity in it um the jokes uh I just there was a lot the humor, to it. Yeah, the funny moments were there, and 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 I'm with you on that one. Is that when I the minute I saw this movie, Happy Season, I saw I was like, all right, it's gonna be um, a pro LGBTQ holiday, hol- uh, like Hallmark movie. Yes, that's what it automatically assumed. Yeah, and I'm glad that it proved me wrong. Mm-hmm. That they they there were scenes that were more grounded. Than most holiday movies, and and a lot of holiday movies, when you see them, like particularly ones that revolve around relationships and breakups and makeups and just the the obstacles they have to get through, come and other movies are so cheesy that you're like, realistically, people don't really act like that that I know. Like this one. I'm like, I felt like it was an actual, like, this is my friend or somebody that I know mm-hmm. would actually go through these mo- emotions, these scenarios, these stories, this uh, explanation, this backstory, and, and how they come through with it and mm-hmm. the obstacles they have to overcome prior to and currently and, and self-actualization and uh, um, understanding oneself and uh, like coming out and understanding the severity and how much weight you have to do to let go of that vulnerability. Like there's a lot to it. Yeah, it's very deep, especially like I said, in the middle, um, it just, you know what I, what I liked about it? It's, it surprised me and it had me change a position that I kind of felt like I put myself in. Like, you know, when you watch a movie, everybody kind of establishes themselves. You you take a position on people in the movie. Mm. You know, I like this person. I don't like this person. Uh, this person does something I don't like or, you know, stuff like that. So I had a, I felt like I had a position in the movie uh, towards this very specific character. And in the middle, with everything that happened, I just felt myself feeling like, wow, I completely changed my position on that person. And I felt bad for even holding that position. Yeah. And... I don't like movies like that because, you know, it, it's difficult. Once somebody kind of puts their mindset to something, it's difficult to be like, to show a different perspective and be like, have that person agree with that change. And you're like, yeah, but I, I did. I, I liked the movie. I enjoyed it. Um, Again, for a lot of parts, it was a little, it, it was a little cheese, but it's fine. It's a holiday movie. Yeah. But I did. I didn't feel, mind a little cheese. I didn't mind a little Poquito. cheese. Poquito. <laughs> Um, but I did, I did feel like the parts that were like, 
the cheesy parts at least were done very well. Like, they yeah. weren't they weren't uh, too heavy-handed, I guess. Um, but the parts that were in the middle, the parts that were dramatic, the parts that were real, the grounded, yeah. it felt real and it felt, like, Authentic. surprising to me. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, for me, the biggest thing of the movies is something that surprises me because a lot of movies don't surprise me. So when I can watch a movie and I'm surprised by how I feel, the you know, changing my perspective, like or that. Or challenges you on perspective on a character in a movie. Yeah. I, that's, I, that's always, always good. I always enjoy it. Always Even enjoy if it. it's a change for good or a change for bad, if it challenges your perspective. I'm happy with it because I guess, because storytelling, especially when it comes to a movie, it, sometimes it could be too, too heavy handed. Yeah. And, you know, this is the villain. This is the bad guy. This is the whatever. And I, so, lo- and I love when it's like this one. There's so many complexities into each character and yeah. and their decisions and on how they handle their everyday life and they how they handle situations on on, on the spot. Mm-hmm. Once they, they they show that depth, that is like there's a lot more to one person. That's and that's true. There's way many layers to one person, yeah. and that people don't know or don't see or just go by the surface. Yeah. And this movie, funny enough, it does hit those marks. There's other movies that done more and some less, but this one hit like being in the holiday season mm-hmm. is one of the few movies I've seen that hit things with layer of yeah. of each person or certain characters. You know, kind of it kind of reminded me because I when movies like this come out, I feel like there's a lot of personal, there's a lot of whoever wrote it and directed it in it. Like that, that's a lot of themselves in it. Yeah, and I love that because it kind of makes giving you perspective. That's what I love about art that it's giving you perspective into somebody. Yeah. Um. So this movie kind of reminded me of Booksmart. Remember yes. that one? Where it was, again, another movie that surprised me too just because I felt like there was a lot of layers to that movie. I mean, that was a little bit more... That movie was not as deep in some parts as this one, but yeah. I felt like it wasn't just your typical American Pie-ish movie. Yeah. You know, I felt like there was some there was elements of somebody in there, whoever wrote it or directed it, yeah. and I got to see that. And I felt like this one is the same thing where it's like... There's a lot of elements to a specific person who put, you know, who was in or who, either wrote it or, or directed it. Which Celia Duvall is the director and the screenplay writer mm-hmm. for this movie. So anytime you put anything out there in the world, you put a piece of yourself in it. So I don't know if it's from maybe personal experience or people that mm-hmm. she knows or just an overall understanding of um, what somebody would have to go through yeah. to, to be put in that situation or to have a decision made or to to um yeah to handle a certain situation at the moment. Well, two two things that that really kind of surprised me after the movie, not even about the movie, but after the movie, um, I okay, so I kept on looking at Mackenzie uh, Davis, and I'm like, where do I know her from specifically? And then I realized she's from Dark Fate. Yeah, like I'm like, so she is the badass fighter from Dark Fate. I'm like, and I realized it because she is a giant compared to a lot of people oh, yeah. in this movie. Like, just towers over them. And she's from I well I knew her from I I was introduced to her from Dark uh, Dark Fate, mm-hmm. but what I, I I really appreciated her acting, mm-hmm. and her like I guess her acting ability was mm-hmm. uh, Halt and Catch Fire, which is an AMC show that mm-hmm. she was on for like five I think the whole show she was mm-hmm. in the entirety, which is about like eighties uh, uh, computer industry blowing up and oh wow it's really good you have to watch it. But <laughs> well, wait. Another la- last thing, because I literally did not know until we sat down to for to the podcast, the director or the uh, the screenplay writer was um, what was her name? Duvall. Silly Duvall. Which I loved. She was my goth. She was my goth interest back, you know, growing up. Yeah. Um. 
but she was in a very specific movie and I never realized until now that they referenced that movie in a very weird way in this movie. They did? Okay, so she was Just in see the, the movie that she was in, but don't She was in the things. faculty. Okay. And there's a like there's a hard reference in this movie that if you realize about the faculty, you're like, oh that's funny. <laughs> so when you watch this, look for that one little element that's gonna be like ties into that old movie. Okay. <laughs> let's see. All right, guys. Uh so let's get into the Nickies. Yeah. Uh I'll start it off. Um all right, I give it three and a half Nickies. I agree. Um, I would love to give it something more, but I think it's going to be one of those movies that I can watch on the holidays and I can enjoy and watch it with family. Uh, but it's not going to be one of those movies I'm going to be like, I need to have that Blu-ray in my co- my yeah my collection. It's one of those movies that give you if you want a good holiday movie, yeah, but more grounded, go for it. Not something like oh, I want to watch in the middle of July. But I am praying that this this movie along with the show blows up uh, David Levy uh, David Levy or. I think his name is David. Um, Daniel Levy. Dan, is it Daniel Levy? Daniel Levy's career, because I'm sorry. Every time he's on screen, I cannot look away. Yeah, he, he is. commands the screen every time he's on, there and I just want to watch and him in something so, else. It's so subtle, though. Like he he doesn't <laughs> he commands attention without forcing to be in your face to command attention, and that's one thing I I I I didn't like in the movie because mm. I think he's such a good actor, and I think he should have played a bigger part. I think he should have more more dominant role mm-hmm. in it. But the moments he was in there, it was awesome. He just lit up. Yeah, just lit, lit he lit has up. these small moments that's just so funny, and he just he'll make these weird little nuanced things. Like I'm tracking. I'm like, what do you mean you're tracking them? Like, just, <laughs> like he'll just say stuff. And you're like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. He's such I lo- like. And the funny thing is, I feel like I'm not alone in this. I feel like there's so much popularity for him right now because of Shit's Creek. And yeah. It's funny because I remember I remember hearing about Shit's Creek like like I want to say about three years, years ago. A while ago. And back then you don't hear about it. It's almost like Cobra Kai the way you tell you someone Cobra Kai. Yep. Where it's one of these things where like you discover it, you enjoy it and you're like, why nobody talking about it? Yeah. And then a couple years later when it hits maybe another network or something it, it picks up. It picks up and then everybody is talking about these things. Yeah. And that's, that's why I feel like Cobra Kai and I, and just Cobra Kai. I, I I literally got exhausted telling you to watch it, and everybody <laughs> watch it. People are like it's a YouTube movie, it's a YouTube show. I'm like, it don't matter. It is so good. Yeah. And now everybody's watching, it and like not only you, our friend Ricky, mm-hmm. and other friends, uh, other friends of ours, they're like, yo, you saw Cobra Kai? I'm like. <laughs> Bro, I already saw. I already I've been saw, telling you about this. I watched that show from beginning to end three times before you even watch it the first time. Oh, Don't man. come at me with how great the show is. I've been telling you how great it is, and you've just been missing out. Oh, That's man. all it is. Ah, oh. but yeah. So I'm happy that those things are getting populated right now. Yes, yes, yes. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the latest episodes of Nerds in the City. You can always find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Nerds in the City. You could always send us an email at Nerds in the City Podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think, review, comment, topics to discuss, and things for us to improve for your listening pleasure. As always, tell a nerd, send a nerd, bring a nerd. All right, everyone. See you next week. Later. <laughs>